What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the All Things Croatia podcast. I'm your host, Stan Kozovac, and I'm bringing you the best of Croatia from around the globe. This episode is brought to you by Adriatic Tours, the best place since 1974 to book your cruises, tours, flights, and simply all things Croatia. Use the personalized code ALLTHINGSCROATIA to get a special discount and book your trip to Croatia today. For more information, go to www.adriatictours.com or click the link in the description. Now eat the modalje and let's get started. All right, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Today we have a very special guest, entrepreneur Jan de Jong. Uh, born and raised in the Netherlands, Jan moved to Croatia in 2006 and started M Plus Group, which now employs over 8,000 people across the region. After exiting the company to work on other projects, he founded WebPower Adria, the first company in the region specializing in email marketing automation. As one of the most well-known entrepreneurs in Croatia, Jan is also the marketing director of Digital Nomad Association Croatia and lobbied for the Digital Nomad Visa that Croatia has now implemented. In this episode, we're going to learn about his path to the so-called Croatian dream and his positive attitude towards changing Croatia for the better. Jan, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. Thank you for taking the time. I know you're a busy guy. Um, yeah. You're definitely one of the most famous entrepreneurs, I think, in Croatia. But I think that most people don't sort of connect entrepreneurship and business, you know, when they think of Croatia. And it seems you're sort of changing the narrative a little bit on that. You know, so what's your story of coming to Croatia? You know, what were you doing before and what led up to your move? Yeah. Well, like, like you already said in the intro, uh, I was born and raised in the Netherlands and uh, I was studying marketing over there at the University of Leiden. And in my final year of university, I had to write my, uh, my final thesis. And at that time, I was already working for a company in the Netherlands, like a student job. But it was, even though it was a student job, it was a full-time job. And um, I was working there in a contact center, managing uh, the day-to-day operations, approximately 150 people. And uh, the owner of that company, he actually has Croatian roots. So his name is Mato. And he was like a little boy when he moved to the Netherlands, started the company in the Netherlands, and I was working for him over there. So one day I went to Mato and I asked him whether... He would be interested if, if I would write my final thesis from Croatia, where then the subject of my final thesis would be to expand that company from the Netherlands, so M plus group, to Croatia. Now, and, and because of Mato's roots, uh, he, he very much liked that idea. And, uh, and that's why in September of uh, 2006, I collected all my belongings and I put it in the car and, and I drove down to, uh, to split Croatia. Uh, during the first year, that I was in Croatia, I was, of course, then writing my final thesis and, and simultaneously starting the business. And after I graduated altogether, we employed about 35 people at that time. As, as a result of that, I also became uh, a Malto's business partner. 50-50, we were going to continue the business on the, continue that I would, uh, on, the, on the condition that I would uh, continue further developing the company. And fast forward, nine years later, uh, the company we founded in 2007 then, uh, employed more than 400 people and uh, that's when I was being able to uh, to make an exit from the business and, and the new owners they um, yeah they they did a lot of m a and they um, uh, they they brought the company to the to the to the stock exchange in Zagreb and today I mean I, you, in your intro you said 8,000 people by now that's uh, over 12,000 people that they employ across the wow. region uh, with all the acquisitions that they have done yeah so consolidated 12,000 people today. And so when you so you moved over to write your thesis and 
you know, learn about, I guess, business in Croatia and how to implement, you know, the M plus group, which was the business in Croatia. When you were writing that, were you thinking like, this is a viable option and, you know, I'm going to end up living here and opening this up or was it more, this is finishing my thesis, you know, to get my degree sort of thing? Mm. Well, when I, when I entered Croatia, very soon I, uh, I fell in love with this country, uh, with the lifestyle, with everything that it has to offer. Uh, then I also met my, my girlfriend back then, which is my wife nowadays. So uh, there, were, there was, of course, more reasons than to it for me to stay longer in Croatia. Uh, but I also noticed that this country actually has a lot of business opportunities because a lot of the things that I kind of like took for granted as, as services or products that were being offered in the Netherlands those kind of services I, I couldn't really find in Croatia. And one of those services was contact center business. So in the Netherlands, this was a already highly saturated market. You know, everybody was outsourcing that. While here in Croatia, nobody was outsourcing that. Basically, my biggest competitors when I started that business in Croatia were the in-house contact centers of those large businesses, right? I mean, they, they were all doing their own customer support. And it was my job, basically, in the beginning to convince them with numbers and with good arguments uh, why it would be better for them to outsource that but that that took some time you know the first four or five years were very challenging and after that more and more of those companies they started outsourcing that to us and that's why we became such a strong leader because we were the first one to do it here locally yeah i know you talk a lot about being a first mover and i want to get into that a little bit later yeah Um, what were some of the difficulties jan that you faced you know at first when you, you started doing business in croatia well, I mean, we were we were completely self-funded, you know. So uh, we've always had struggles with uh, with cash flow, uh, also because we were growing very fast, you know. And that all needs to be financed. And at that moment, also because perhaps because I was a foreigner at that moment in in, in Croatia, uh, I didn't really easily get, let's say, the support from the from the local banks to to finance our growth. So cash flow has always been challenging, even though. You know, one of the things in Croatia is that, um, especially in the past, uh, it would sometimes be difficult for companies to collect their their invoices, their open invoices. Uh, but I've always been very fortunate to work with um, financially very strong companies like uh, Croatian Telecom or, or big energy companies. So that, that problem I never really had that, that we had cash flow problems as a result of them simply paying very late. So that's, that's, uh, that's a good thing. But that is something that, that happens often with, um, you know, smaller companies? Well, I mean, there, uh, I have to say it's, it's definitely improving. Uh, 10, 15 years ago, when you, whenever you would talk with, uh, with companies, very often they would bring up the idea of, of them having difficulties to collect their open payments. Uh, and not only that, but in the beginning it was also um, not uncommon that companies would be late with paying the salaries. And I have to say that over the past, let's say, 10 years, that part really improved. You rarely ever hear that that somebody didn't get the salary paid or that companies really went bust, let's say, because they were not able to collect payments. So it definitely has improved over the years. Hmm. Um, well, you know, Jan, eventually you left M Plus Group. You know, you, you sold out uh, the company. Why was that? Was it to work on other projects? Did you have something in mind already that you wanted to work on? Well, I mean, I started my career, let's say, in the call center business, in the contact center business at a very young age. I mean, I was 17 years old when I, when I became a call agent. 
Then by the time that I was like 19, I was already operationally managing a call center. Then when I was 22, I started one of my own. And when I was 31, uh, that's when we uh, had an opportunity to make an exit. And at that moment, I was 31 years old. So I was already in the business for 14 years in the call center business. Uh, on top of that, my, my family was living in Split. And for the business, I had to be pretty much full-time in Zagreb, which is about 400 kilometers, 250 miles away from Split. And um, I was unfortunately not able to, to, to spend more time with my family. Uh, I was only at home for the weekend. And, and that started bothering me really a lot after doing that for about two years. I felt that I could no longer be the, the, the father that I wanted to be or the husband that I wanted to be. And then at that moment, when you get an offer to sell your shares and, and the money is really good, then I honestly, I didn't have to think twice. And so how long were you there? You were already married with kids at that point then? Yeah, at that moment I had two kids. And this was in um, 2015 when I got the offer. Okay. Uh, and now we have four kids. So we made wow. two more babies in the meantime. <laughs> well, congratulations <laughs> on that. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks. Um, it, it, so it sounds like you met your wife right away or very soon. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I moved to Croatia in September and we started dating in December. So uh, a couple of months after my arrival here in Croatia. Hmm. Has she been your um, biggest Croatian language teacher? Oh, no. No, we, we <laughs> speak English to each other. Uh, I did go to Croatian language school for the first two years. Uh, but I have to say it's, it's a really difficult language to learn, for me at least. I don't consider myself to be very talented with languages. But uh, to me, you know, there's absolutely no similarities in with the languages that I already know, speaking of English, either German or, or Dutch. So, yeah, I had to learn it like a baby, you know, like learning to count from one to ten first and then the ABC and then, of course, the vocabulary. But uh, especially the grammar part is, is very, very difficult in Croatian language. Yeah, the grammar is almost impossible. I know even a lot of people here, you know, it depends who it is, but, you know, some of them won't even... You use the grammar or everyone, depending on where you live, he uses it differently. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's challenging. It definitely is. But I mean, what, you speak Dutch, German, and English. Those are all challenging languages, at least for me. And English, yeah. I know, I've heard is um, you know challenging as well. There's a lot of tenses or different types mm. of tenses. Yeah. But so for you to say Croatian is difficult, <laughs> I trust you now. But yeah. I know firsthand, of course, it's very difficult. Uh, Jan, let's talk a little bit about WebPower Adria. So... Sure. You, you sold your shares of M plus group, you know, yeah. you wanted to spend more time at home. When did sort of web power Adria take off? Well, already a few months after I uh, made my exit from M plus group, um, I, I took a couple of months to really just get, get back to myself and to spend some time with the family and also to make some new plans. And very soon after that, I, uh, I knew that I wanted to start a new business again. And that new business became web power. Also, again, you know, I was thinking, what are products or services that that companies or, or or people need in this region that are already very well developed in, for example, a country like the Netherlands, but not so much developed in our region. Uh, and then I came to email marketing. You know, a lot of companies they were uh, in this region, at least, they were simply using services like Mailchimp. I don't know if you're familiar with Mailchimp, but that's like the global market leader. Uh, but you have many other products like MailerLite and Campaign Monitor, and, and but but none of the softwares that were being used in this region were actually from local players, and uh, that's why we wanted to become the local alternative to 
to such softwares here in Croatia and in the in the rest of the region. And uh, yeah, that, that was, I think, again, uh, a very good move. Today we are servicing more than 130 clients, uh, a lot of them really big companies. Again, like all the telcos, uh, aviation companies, insurance companies, banks, credit card companies, uh, and then also uh, plenty of, of, of smaller accounts that you would never have heard of. But um, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's a beautiful little company. It's not as many employees as I'm used to with 400 people in the call center. But uh, we are now with, with the 10 of us. And we are creating, hopefully, uh, a very nice environment for all of us to work in. With this company, we actually, I don't know if you, if you heard it or read it somewhere, uh, but we were the, among the first companies actually in the region to introduce a four-day work week, which is rather unique here uh, in, in, in this region. Mm-hmm. Well, so, I think it, I would even say it's rather unique. I, I mean, I would say across the globe. I know there are. That's true. Yeah, some I mean, they're doing that... some uh, some pilots right now in the United Kingdom with, I believe, it's like seventy eight larger companies from all different kind of industries, and the results from what I've read so far is is are really amazing. Uh, I think that only five percent of companies that that participated in this pilot have actually seen a decrease in productivity, and all the other companies, ninety five percent of them they either saw a similar productivity or an increased productivity by working mm. one day less and, and so what are the hours of um of those four days then is it still eight hour shifts yeah it's still eight hours so we are working 32 hours in a week wow so so you haven't added any hours you just simply cut no. off one day yeah exactly and and on top of that for the same salary so for a full-time salary so we didn't cut salaries either hmm. now i know some people can be critical, you know, especially when it comes to change. Were you faced with any criticism when you first implemented this? Well, not from my not from my team. I mean, my team <laughs> was uh, <laughs> my team was super happy with this announcement when we decided to go for this. Uh, and also, when speaking with them, you know, they can they can hardly imagine going back to a five day work week. Uh, and that's also one of the things that I wanted to accomplish with this. Of course, you know, I mean, our people in the past, they would they would from time to time be headhunted by financially very strong companies, like by unicorns or pharmaceutical companies. And they, they always have way more money than I could possibly offer to people. But uh, that's why I wanted to offer something to my team, something from, from which I believed that those companies would not be prepared to offer it, and that is more free time. And um, you know, I'm, I'm being very vocal about the four-day work week. Uh, we've actually also last week, we won the the first prize of the HR Best Practice Award, Regional Best Practice Award, um, at, at, at a very big HR conference here in uh, in Rovin, in, in Croatia. And so from, from the, let's say, HR community, we have definitely seen plenty of support for what we have been doing. And of course, you know, from time to time when I speak with, uh, with other entrepreneurs, you know, sometimes they... They try to come up with reasons why they believe this could not work in their company or why they think that it would actually decrease their productivity. I'm not so sure, you know, I think that the only way to really find out is is by actually trying it. Uh, And if you see that from those 78 very diverse kind of companies in the United Kingdom, that only 5% of them see a decrease in productivity, then, you know, the odds are quite favorable that you would actually also see the same productivity or an increased productivity. Hmm. So you think this is something that's viable and I mean, would you like to see it implemented in more companies across, I mean, not only Croatia, but you know, obviously the region and 
you know, eventually the, the globe at some point, but specifically Croatia, do you think it's something that, I mean, I know change can be slow at times over here, but do you think it's something that should go well, into I effect? I definitely as- think it's, uh, it's part of the future of work, you know. Uh, back in 1926, it was actually Henry Ford that introduced a five-day work week. You know, before that, everybody was working six days a week. And uh, when Henry Ford introduced a five-day work week, he was able to recruit the very best talents in the market. And uh, they saw an increase in productivity and they actually started outgrowing and outperforming all of their competitors. While all of the competitors, the other, let's say, industrial leaders, they were all questioning what Henry Ford was doing. And they all said, like, you know what, it's, it's simply impossible for us to do the same amount of work in five days while we used to do it in six days. And, you know, over the past decades or century, maybe even yeah, since 1926, just look at all the progress we have made in terms of technology. I mean, that was the same year in which the television was invented. I mean, look at what happened with with all the technology that we are working with nowadays, you know. And as a result of all that, we have seen already a significant increase in, in productivity by as a result of the technology. And on top of that, we have also seen an increase in productivity by working from home. Now, what we wanted to do in our company, even though we are a small company, um, but what we wanted to do is we wanted to return some of those productivity gains. We wanted to return that to our team. And so that's talking about also working from home, working remotely? Yeah, we, we canceled the office last December. I was having an office for almost uh, two years completely empty. All my employees, they all had uh, the key of the office and nobody wanted to go to the office. Everybody was just working from home. I mean, and we left it as a choice for them. You know, they can freely decide whether they wanted to work from home or whether they wanted to work from the office. But everybody chose to work from home. And after paying rent for two years and not, not anybody going to the office, uh, I had an opportunity to, uh, to terminate the, the contract for the, for the office lease. And uh, that's when we decided to do it. And since January, therefore, we don't have an office anymore. We just have um, a contract with a co-working space. So that if anybody would ever want to work from an office environment, they can go to a co-working space. Hmm. So you have a, a good alternative um, for the people that do you know, want to go into the office. Yeah, I think it's important that we do offer that possibility, but not by having our own expensive square meters, but by having an, uh, an, an option in a co-working space. Hmm. Oh, yeah, you can definitely cut a lot of costs by not having to you know, pay for an entire building or... I am. We, we pretty much, with this deal that we made with the co-working space, we pretty much cut like 95% of our office expenses. Wow. Yeah. And then you can use that kind of money on team buildings and, and, and improved uh, salary conditions. Yeah. Well, I mean, Jan, it sounds like your your employees must love you then. I mean, they're getting to work from home. They're doing <laughs> a four-day work week. <laughs> well, I have to say we uh, we have a very good reputation as an employer. Uh, whenever we have an open position, it uh, it often takes only one LinkedIn post for us to get like 85 applications for one open position. So mm. we are also in a very fortunate situation, therefore, that we can really choose who do we want to hire. Hmm. Yeah, well, that, that's a fortunate situation that, I mean, you put yourself in based on, you know, decisions that you made. With the yeah, we create that environment where people yeah. would want to work for us. Yeah. Hmm. You mentioned LinkedIn, and uh, I've just been starting now that I'm been sort of back on the job search. I've been getting back into LinkedIn, and I started following you when I heard about you. Someone reached out, you know, said you have to get this guy in the podcast, and uh, you have some really cool LinkedIn posts. 
I mean, with sort of numbers, government policies, um, uh, sort of observations on, you know, business and Croatia, you have a lot of interesting posts that make for good yeah. reads. And um, sort of on that notion, because I saw one post that you made that I guess maybe is this where it started with the digital nomad visas, you made a, a plea to the president. Yeah, well, before that, I was already creating content on, on LinkedIn on a regular basis. Um, also, because I noticed that by actually being a very proactive content creator on LinkedIn, it was very useful for me to, uh, to grow my business. Uh, we, get, we get a lot of leads and therefore a lot of clients as a result of that. Um, but yeah, I've, 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 had, uh, I've done several really cool campaigns actually on, on LinkedIn. So one of them that is the one that you just mentioned, where I, where I wrote an open letter to the Prime Minister of Croatia asking him if he could introduce a digital nomad visa in Croatia. And I got so much support uh, from the LinkedIn community. And after that, it was also being picked up by the mainstream media, television, newspapers, portals, that uh, as a result of that, 44 days after my open letter uh, on LinkedIn, uh, I had an opportunity to meet with the Prime Minister at his office. And that's when he gave me full support to, uh, to introduce this uh, digital nomad visa. And in January 1st, uh, the year 2021, so that's almost two years ago now, uh, Croatia became the second country in Europe and the seventh country in the world to welcome remote work professionals by offering them a staying permit, a digital nomad staying permit. So yeah, that was that was a very successful campaign and, and, and something that is pretty much unheard of in Croatia, a country that is known for its bureaucracy, where in a matter of five, six months, we have been able to change actually two laws and two regulations to, uh, to make this happen. Yeah, that's crazy. Why did you start originally advocating for that? Well, because I think it's part of the solution on, on, on some of the problems that Croatia is facing. Uh, over the past 10, 15 years, Croatia went from a population of 4.5 million people to like 3.9 million people. So we have lost almost 600,000 uh, Croats that have left this country. Uh, and of course, not talking about old and retired people, but I'm talking mostly about young and, and talented people that have left Croatia in order to find opportunities abroad. Think about countries like Germany, Ireland, even the Netherlands, the US, everywhere. And um, I thought, you know, that by, uh, by welcoming digital nomads, we can actually accomplish several things. First of all, we can prolong our season because the tourist season here in Croatia is, is very short. It's only like four months. Uh, and digital nomads, they would not come for just a couple of weeks, but they would come for several months all the way up to one year. So by welcoming them, they would also basically be in Croatia in, during the off season. And they would spend a lot of money here because, you know, they, one of them, one digital nomad, if you want to want to come here on a digital nomad permit, you need to make approximately two times the average Croatian salary. So they are, let's say, especially for, for Croatia, they are considered to be big spenders. And uh, last but not least, by seeing a lot of, this time actually, we, by, by welcoming digital nomads, we can reverse the brain drain. So instead of people leaving this country, smart and talented people, this time we would be welcoming them. And I hope that digital nomads can also have a positive impact on the youngest generation here in Croatia and perhaps open their eyes that they don't have to leave 
Croatia in order to find opportunities, but they can actually bring those opportunities to Croatia by being a remote work professional. And hopefully over time, more and more people would actually decide to enjoy the great lifestyle that we have here in Croatia, but with a very good and well-paid job, for example, from a German employer or an Irish employer or a Dutch employer or a UK employer, whatever. So yeah, that, that, was, that was my main motivation. And is it too early at this point to you know, see how, how that has worked out and how it's going? No, we have, we have some very promising uh, statistics. Uh, I, I can share a few with you. So um, up until now, we have seen more than 1,000 applications for the Digital Nomad Permit. Now, I need to emphasize that uh, only third country nationals need to apply for the permit, right? So if you are having a, a passport from within the European Union, you don't need to have a staying permit to come to Croatia. So you can just then come here and register yourself. So the more than 1,000 applications are all from citizens from outside of the EU. And on top of that, they would only apply for the permit if they would want to stay more than three months. Because if you would want to stay less than three months, you could basically just be here on a tourist visa. Um, so that's, that's a big number already. And, and I think that we have almost doubled the number, the double the amount of applications compared to, for example, Estonia, which was the first country to introduce the digital nomad visa. So I think that that by itself are, are, are very promising statistics and, and something that we can be very proud of. On top of that, uh, I don't know if you are familiar with the website nomadlist.com. Mm, I'm not. Okay. Well, nomadlist.com is, is one of the largest, let's say, uh, community websites where digital nomads go for, for information uh, and, and they can have also like a subscription with that website and wherever they go, they can then check in um, where in, in, in the location where they are and they share basically also with Nomad List uh, to which countries they travel and they are also giving feedback about those locations. So a couple of very interesting things. First of all, according to Nomad List, uh, between uh, well, Croatia actually welcomes, uh, on average, between three and 5,000 digital nomads per month. Uh, on top of that, a digital nomad, on average, they stay about 69 days in one location. So we can say that in Croatia, probably at any given time, there's approximately six to 10,000 digital nomads in the country. Uh, and, and also, according to surveys that Nomad List has done, uh, Croatia is performing really very good. We are the most loved country uh, among digital nomads right now in the world, followed by Japan. Um, and I think that uh, one of one of the main reasons why we have also accomplished this is by 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 being a very welcoming country for digital nomads. I mean, first of all, people here are are super warm, uh, super welcoming. We know how to deal with hospitality. You know that there's. This is one of our biggest industries. This is the biggest industry in Croatia with more than 20% of the GDP coming from tourism. So we know how to welcome people. Uh, but we as a, I, we've also founded a digital nomad association. We are also making very strong efforts to really create this community here in Croatia. Uh, we are organizing all kinds of uh, conferences or we're sponsoring them. Uh, we have introduced a digital nomad uh, hotline so that if you have any questions you can always call a phone number here in Croatia and there you have very pleasant people that will answer any of the questions that you might have as a digital nomad in Croatia so yeah we have we've done a lot 
uh, in that regard. Well, yeah, it sounds like there's, I mean, only benefits to being a digital nomad in Croatia, because I know most of the things that, you know, people complain about when you, you know, complain about Croatia are sort of that bureaucracy and, um, uh, you mentioned something else. I forgot what I was going to say. Um, but, but it sounds like as a, oh, and you know, jobs and salaries, things like mm. that, of course. But as a digital nomad, those are sort of some of the things that you don't deal with. And instead, you're living in Croatia and enjoying yeah. all the benefits. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, Croatia is, of course, also known, for example, for its corruption and and, 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 and and the bureaucracy and all these kind of things. But, I mean, digital nomads, they, they don't deal with these kind of things. They mm. just deal with, with the beauty that this country has to offer, which is amazing weather, uh, great internet connection, uh, amazing food, uh, the most beautiful wines. Um, the, 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 the country is so diverse, you know, you can be on one hand, you can be climbing mountains and then you also have beautiful coastline with more than a thousand islands. So it's also because it, it has so many different things to offer. It offers something for everybody. And that's, that's what, what, that's why Croatia is probably one of the most popular destinations for, for digital nomads. Hmm. Yeah. And as a digital nomad, you know, you can travel to all those different places. And, you know, Croatia is great for traveling. There's so many. Yes. And very well connected also with the rest of Europe. You know, if, if from here you want to make a stop in Italy or in Austria or, you know, it's, it's all close by. Uh, Jan, I want to go back to something we sort of talked about in the beginning, which was being a first mover. Yeah. Um, as we sort of get into a little bit, you know, I want to ask you some business advice and your business experience here in Croatia. Uh, you talk a lot about being a first mover into Croatia. Uh, what exactly does that mean? Well, um, being being first with something is, is is probably not always the easiest thing to do, but I think that when it turns out well, that it's one of the most rewarding ways of starting a business. And I mean, I've 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 seen proof of that myself when I started this contact center, where in the beginning, like I said, it was very difficult to to get that started and to actually create a need among your potential clients for them to start outsourcing those business processes to you. Uh, but then one, once they start doing it, then, then you have such a tremendous head start over your com competition that uh, you can really become a strong market leader. And the same goes with um, what, what, I, what I did after that with Web Power. We are still, until today, the only company in this region specialized in email marketing and marketing automation. So. If you don't want to use services like MailChimp or, or Campaign Monitor, if you would like to have a dedicated account manager, if you, if, if you have any questions, uh, then we are the only option at this very moment. And, and we have such a tremendous experience and, and great email marketing experts on our payroll that can, that can help. And we have such a wonderful reference list that it's going to be probably pretty difficult for somebody to to start making that difficult for us, let's say, in this market. So we, again, have a very strong market position. And mm -hmm. then with this digital nomad visa, uh, we were also among the first countries in the world to welcome those digital nomads. We were the second one in Europe eh, after Estonia. Uh, and, and, and as a result of that, we enjoyed so much free publicity still until today. You know, I'm still doing interviews for Japanese newspaper and, and, and whatnot to promote Croatia internationally because we were among the first countries to do this. 
if you are the 50th country to introduce a digital nomad permit, then nobody will write about it. You will not enjoy any free, free publicity. And then, you know, there's this other thing that I also plan on starting, and that is that um, uh, I, I plan to build uh, large greenhouse operations for, for growing vegetables, but indoor, so in a, in a secured, controlled environment, uh, which is something that the Netherlands is very much known for. Uh, but here in Croatia, uh, this is again, you know, something that is almost not developed or at least very little developed compared to, for example, countries like the Netherlands. And, and I would never start a greenhouse in the Netherlands. I mean, most greenhouses in the Netherlands, they, uh, they're facing very challenging circumstances right now, also as a result of the increased energy cost. But in Croatia, if you would open up a beautiful greenhouse, you would be among the few to do something like that. And um, again, I think it's a great opportunity to, uh, to be again first with something and to take a strong market position over the years. Hmm. And, and do you think that there's a lot of opportunities in different industries to do this in Croatia? Now, absolutely, because I mean, especially if you, if you would come and live here and if you would start listening very carefully to, uh, to, to people that have been living here for a long time, that, that have grown up here, uh, and if you listen to their to the things that they complain about uh, or the problems that they're facing. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, entrepreneurship is about solving problems, solving other people's problems. And if you solve a lot of problems or very big problems, then you can have, you can build a very profitable business around that. Now, people in Croatia, they are not shy on complaining. They will, you know, I mean, at the end, they're human. In the Netherlands, we also complain about pretty much everything. But if you listen very carefully about what people complain about here, then I think that you're listening to potential business opportunities. Yeah, that's an interesting way of looking at it, and a, a true way, I would think. Well, I mean, they, they, they tell me all the time that Croatia, that we produce the best food in the world. We have amazing food. You know, everybody's talking about how, how great their potatoes are, their tomatoes are. Uh, and at the same time, almost in the same sentence, they say like, well, you know what? We should be feeding Europe. We have such great soil here, uh, great climate conditions. Why are we not exporting more of our food? And I'm questioning then, yeah, exactly. Why are you not? You know, what, what is stopping somebody from doing that? Why is that not happening? And I was listening to this for years and years. And then you come to realize that a country like the Netherlands, which does not have the climate, which, you know, uh, it's, it's a very densely populated country. We don't have a lot of arable land in the Netherlands, at least less than Croatia. But the Netherlands somehow, because of technology, managed to become the second largest exporter of food in the world after the United States. Mm. So I was wondering, you know, why, if the United States can be first, if, if, the Netherlands, if the Netherlands can be second, then why wouldn't Croatia be able to get to the third place, as a matter of saying? The only thing that we would need is, is, is people to start rolling up their sleeves and to start building this infrastructure because also geographically we are very well positioned to start feeding this part of Europe. Why not? And so that's the problem that you're trying to solve with uh, the, your next project that you mentioned with the greenhouses? Yeah, exactly. I mean, in the past, when Croatia was still a part of uh, Yugoslavia, uh, the area northeast of Croatia, so Slavonia, was able to produce enough food for entire Yugoslavia, which was a country, correct me if I'm wrong, Stanko, you might know as well, it, uh, Yugoslavia had what, 25 million people? Hmm. Uh, actually, I'm not sure, but I would believe that, yeah. I think it was like 25 million people in Yugoslavia. 
Today, Croatia, a nation with almost 4 million people, became an importing nation. We do not produce enough food to feed our own people. Hmm. Now that, that's a problem, if you ask me. First of all, to be dependent on other countries for your own food is, is not a good thing. Um, and, and, and secondly, how can you become from a country that was able to feed 25 million people to a country that cannot feed only 4 million people? Hmm. Why do you think that happened? Well, very simple, because the focus in this country is only tourism. Hmm. And I have nothing against having a strong tourism sector in Croatia, but it doesn't mean that you can just neglect all the other industries. I think that having a strong tourism industry should be the foundation upon which we can build many other industries, hmm. like the IT sector, like the agriculture sector, Automotive sector with Rimac, Bugatti, Rimac. Mm -hmm. Well, I know the IT sector is is growing. I've heard Zagreb, I've heard Osijek, uh, I think Split, maybe Rijeka too, are all sort of IT hubs starting to become IT hubs. Yeah, yeah that's a good thing. But we are far from done, you know, this can be much bigger. Mm -hmm. So, well, sort of on that, in a more general note, Jan, I guess in your experience, what are some of the advantages and disadvantages to doing business in Croatia that you've seen so far? Oof. Um, well, I think I think this very much depends on uh, on what kind of industry you're trying to tap into. Um, mm, true. For example, if you would now want to start something in agriculture, and I'm talking about the high tech agriculture, the way we're doing it in the Netherlands, uh, it's pretty much impossible to hire people with experience. Because there are simply there there aren't people with experience here, uh, working in greenhouses like that. Um, so, you know, you, there's a great opportunity in 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 starting it because it pretty much doesn't exist, um, and there's a market for it. But then again, you know, you you do have to invest in education of your local teams here in Croatia. So, where on one hand there's an opportunity, at the same time there are certain obstacles. Then um, in, in, in other businesses, uh, you might have uh, enough experienced people, but maybe you don't have a market, you know? So there, there's always, let, let me put it differently. It's, it's, it's people always very, I mean, they very often tell me that it's very difficult to start a business in Croatia. But I think it's very difficult to start a business wherever you do it, you know? I mean, it's difficult in the United States too. It's difficult in the Netherlands too. It's always hard to start your business, but it's always hard for different reasons. Where in America or in the Netherlands, these are, for example, very competitive markets. You know, whatever you do, there's always somebody that is already doing it and that is doing it at a much larger scale and is having very deep pockets to make your life miserable as a competitor. Uh, and in Croatia, you might not have this competition in certain areas, but then you're dealing with uh, very slow uh, bureaucracy here, you know. But then again, you know, if, if the biggest problem that I could have as an entrepreneur is that I would have to go to the public notary office to sign papers once in a while, I mean, if you ask me, that's that's the easy part. Uh, yeah, what is the true. most diff Yeah, I mean, if, if for me, that's not a reason to complain, you know. I mean, I have a very good lawyer and I have a very good accounting office and, and financial advisors, tax advisors. Uh, they are helping me with all these kind of things. You know, whenever I have an idea, I tell it to them and I tell them, okay, let's start a business for it. And they will just let me know when I need to come 
to the public notary office to put my signature on paper. Um, that has never been an obstacle to me, at least. What I think is the most difficult in, in starting any kind of business is to come up with a great product or a great service and then to map that and, and, and match that with uh, your target audience and then to have a great financial proposition and then to to have a great way of, of actually doing your business development in a, in a way that is more unique than your competition. Uh, and then after that, also to, to just continue delivering great support and customer service. These are the most difficult things of doing a business, not going to the public notary office. Yeah, I guess it all depends on, on your perspective. If you put it like that, it makes sense. Um, right. And it yeah. sounds like you would say then the biggest advantage is that in a lot of these industries and in a lot of these sort of, you know, more high tech areas, the market here in Croatia may not be as saturated or probably isn't as saturated as, you know, some other places where if you were to start that business, that would probably be your biggest disadvantage. Well, I mean, if you would want to go into the business of renting out apartments to tourists, that's a very saturated market here in Croatia. Yeah. Because everybody's doing that. Um, but if you want to start a greenhouse then uh, for, for growing vegetables, then pretty much nobody's doing that. So I think that you just have to really carefully select what are the, the, the business opportunities here. And at the same time, I, I do think that you need to realize that uh, the market here in Croatia is very small, of course. I mean, it's only 4 million people. I, I think, I mean, just a city like New York uh, has a bigger population than than um, than entire country Croatia. Mm -hmm. So I think if you come to the point where you are very successful with your business, then it's only a matter of time until Croatia becomes too small for you, and then you have to start going abroad with your product or service. Hmm. Well, Jan, we're sort of coming down to the end of the time here. I, I want to put you on the spot. In a, in a sense and ask right. you one last sort of thing <laughs> i'm going to put you in this position if you had executive order power in croatia you know say even above prime minister president whatever you know you could change one thing what would what's that first thing you would change it's sort of policy governmental wise Ooh, i think it's difficult to to pick only one um <laughs> uh... I'm going, to, I'm going to just uh, summarize it. I think that okay. um, uh, the best thing that, that the government can do is to really motivate and stimulate entrepreneurship. And that's very broad. I know that. You know, it, it, There's not just one thing on how you can do that towards entrepreneurship. But I think that if you look at countries that are economically very strong, uh, the result that that's always a, as, a, as a result of great entrepreneurship happening in those countries and for me i think that that the only way forward in, in, in a prosperous way for croatia is through entrepreneurship so if the government can do something to to motivate more people to to, to start their business and to be successful in their business i think that would be probably the fastest path to to more, more, uh, let's say, um, uh, prosperous times for for this country. Hmm. Well, yeah, with this census you mentioned earlier, it's been what like ten percent of the population that Croatia has lost, and I'm sure yeah. a large majority of that reason is economic and job related. So you I would say of... it's 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 mostly economic. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, entrepreneurship would bring people back to Croatia and bring jobs back to Croatia at the same time. 
I mean, if you look at a company like Rimac, Bugatti Rimac, uh, who is producing the fastest uh, electric vehicle in the world right now, uh, but they're also delivering a lot of technology to to many other car companies, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this company, if I'm not mistaken, because they keep growing every day, I think that by now they employ more than 2,000 people. So these are 2,000 highly paid positions. And, you know, this company is even attracting many foreigners to come and work at Rimac in Croatia. Now imagine what kind of an impact we would be able to create would we have another five or ten of those kind of companies in this country. How would the, the influx from, from smart and, and talented people in this country that will have great salaries and that at one point they might also fall in love with this country and they would decide to start their own business, but not in Silicon Valley, but in Croatia, you know, and, and then you will see the results of entrepreneurship and you will see that more and more people would want to be here because there is something happening here. And, and life is good, you know, because life is not very expensive here compared to maybe like Silicon Valley or, or, or other more expensive countries. Um, so, yeah, I think that Croatia is a lifestyle destination. We offer a great lifestyle here, but it would be much better if, if more people can have economic uh, stability and, and economic, uh, that, they, that they simply have more money in their pocket here. Uh, very well said, Jan. I appreciate you taking the time here to come on the podcast. I know you're a busy guy. You've got a lot of projects. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to come talk about them, talk about your companies and, you know, Croatia in general and the future of Croatia. Uh, that means a lot. And I mean, to me, I, I'm excited. I think there's a, a bright future ahead with, you know, people like you, who people like Mate Rimac, you know, who are looking ahead, looking to the future and, you know, looking to innovate. You know, I think I think there's a, a lot of good things to come here. I'm very positive too. Thank you so much for having me, Stanko. That's it for today's episode of the All Things Croatia podcast. Thanks for tuning in and I hope you all enjoyed it. You can subscribe to the Patreon and check out the All Things Croatia Instagram page to stay updated. Feel free to reach out to me with any questions, tips, or ideas. And make sure to tune back in to the next episode. Thanks again and vidimo se!